Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when they autofill the iOS two-factor authentication code. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. Now, straight away here, I do, I'm looking at the chat here, and already, we have to talk about the wall panels, because so far, I think we're making this a trend. Mm -hmm. Any panels falling today, we've got some people guessing four panels. I think, Noah, what we need is a good old-fashioned poll, and how many options can we put in the poll? There is no limit to the number of options in the poll, actually. Well, then let's do zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, and let's put it up here. And honestly, yeah, I mean, that's, I think this is the logical place to start because Noah's wall panels have captivated the nation and indeed the world. Absolutely. It's, uh, we had, we had quite the, uh, quite the upset last time. We did. That was. If you weren't watching last week, then you missed a real roller coaster of emotion because, I mean, it it went absolutely crazy. Yeah, it, was it was one of the all... most riveting things I've ever seen. It was at the end. It was only in the last, like, ten minutes or so yeah. that they all fell down. And they fell it down. Was, it was literally at the last possible moment, and then all, all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. So definitely, we're gonna have to pull that up here. Yeah, I'm working on that. Um, we maybe come back to it in a minute. Yeah. So, well, while we're working on that, get get ready with your with your wall panel guesses here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna work on that, and 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 we'll see what happens. We should theoretically have some time here because the wall panels are fresh. The adhesive is is sticky and and grippy. So while Noah's, while Noah's talking about uh, the wall panels and whether or not they'll grip, here's something that is definitely not gripping. The iPhone SE. Did you like that transition? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So in the chat, we were talking about it. It's my most recent video. We got to talk iPhone SE for a second here. Um, No. I No. Just don't. We got Evan here in the chat saying, iPhone SE going to get roasted tonight. You're darn right it is. Look, in 2020, the iPhone SE was a very good recipe. It was a previous but not, you know, completely out-of-date design that was given a new lease on life with absolute flagship internals and an extremely low and very compelling price. So... Back when the iPhone SE 2020 came out, up right up until that moment, which is almost exactly two years ago, Apple was still selling the iPhone 8, and they sold that for $449. So when the iPhone SE came out, what they effectively did was take the iPhone 8, cut $50 off of its price, and replace its A11 internals with brand new ones. Oh, heck yeah. That was at, at at that point the iPhone 8 was 3 years old. So we're talking about, you know, iPhone 11. Apple sells the iPhone 11 right now. 
So it would be like, you know, Apple putting the iPhone 11 with A15 5G for 400 bucks. Heck yes. People love that. That's a great idea. A lot of people still like the old design, wanted to keep using their case, um, wanted Touch ID, weren't quite ready for Face ID. Instant success. However, it's now been two years, two more entire full years, and design-wise, absolutely not a thing has changed. They also don't even have millimeter wave 5G, if I'm correct, or was it sub-6? Whatever the one for ultra-wideband, I'm pretty sure the SE doesn't have. Mm. So, really, the 5G aspect, I think, is, is kind of moot, because... The 5G for me at this point in 2022 has just basically been um, a little icon in the top corner of the screen. I, I noticed no functional difference except for in the all of three times in the past year and a half that I've seen ultra wideband. And that was only useful because I ran a speed test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The ultra wideband is super cool, uh, but it's very sparse and... Like real, like the speeds are insane. But like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be standing on a street corner with your phone. Like, what are you like? Oh, I gotta download a bunch of stuff. It's uh, it's ultra wide. Yeah. Like you know. Oh yeah, I'm gonna download a Steam game on this sidewalk. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, and another thing here is, some people were saying, it's even faster in perfect conditions. Here's the thing iPhones are all fast. Even the iPhone 8, which is five years old and, and the design that, that is still going on here, even the iPhone 8 is is very fast. The thing that dates an iPhone is not fast or slow. That was the case back when I upgraded to my iPhone 6 from the iPhone 5. That was, wow, the new phone is way faster. Now... The issue isn't speed, it's battery and it's screen. Mm-hmm. Going to the old, you know, giant forehead, giant chin, touch ID instead of face ID. Um, promotion is another thing that makes an iPhone feel fast, but even though it's, you know, basically the same, uh, having a battery that runs out really quickly, those are the things that you're going to notice. Using an A14 and an A15 feels identical identical it's it's only it's those other factors that you really notice in my opinion yeah that's a good point because like any iphone within the past couple years probably even longer is gonna be totally you know like even you know Mm -hmm. and i always bring this up like my ipad my 2018 ipad pro that thing is just as fast as it was when I got it in, uh, you know, late 2018. And now we're in uh, 2022 and it's just as fast as it was. So that's never the problem. The problem or, or the, the the discussion is always around like the design and the features, touch ID versus face ID, uh, you know, the bezels and, uh, and all the other stuff uh, that we're talking about here. And Cole Weathers brings up an excellent point here. He says, would have been brilliant if they sold it at a loss like Costco rotisserie chickens. That's, I think, a very apt analogy. Uh, Apple apparently did not use the rotisserie chicken model for the iPhone SE. I feel like, I feel like it's a bit of a slap in the face to reintroduce the same five-year-old design and then increase the price. 
Like, okay, what the heck? Um, realistically, the only possible reason that you would buy the iPhone SE 2022 is because it's going to get support for approximately a thousand years. Although if you think about it, actually, iPhones get support for, what are we going to say, like seven, seven years? Yeah. By the time, let's assume the iPhone 6S finally, God rest its soul, bites <laughs> the dust uh, with this year's iOS update. That'll be a full seven-year cycle for an iPhone. That's nuts. That's insane. Yeah. So if we assume a seven-year cycle for the A13 and then the A15, of course, that would be seven years from now. So that would mean the current iPhone SE would get support until 2029. <laughs> 2029, by which point the iPhone SE's design will be the same age as the iPhone 4 is now. Yeah. I mean, I get I get buying a phone for having a lot of support life but you'd effectively be using an iphone 4 <laughs> by that point and i'm sorry but i don't i don't think that's a good reason to buy the phone especially when you could buy the last iphone se which looks the same will still get support until the design is 10 years old and costs like 250 dollars just do that yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, it's interesting because like this is the obviously the cheapest iPhone or I shouldn't say cheapest, but the least expensive iPhone uh, that Apple offers. And, you know, obviously it still gets the same amount of support, mm -hmm. but um, it's kind of it's like you'd think, you know, maybe there's some people who don't care. They want to get the cheapest phone. They just want a phone. They want an iPhone and they're fine with it. But if you're buying the cheapest phone. Uh, you know, you maybe you could afford or, or you'd be easier to justify upgrading it uh, sooner than if you bought, let's say, a $1,000 iPhone. So as much as, like, the extra support is great, maybe some people want that. But, like, you know, at some point, you know, you can you can, you can can take a step and, and, and upgrade, upgrade that phone. Yeah, especially when you're talking about, um, you know, the, the on the lower end here, iPhones really don't depreciate all that much. Mm, yeah. um, once you get below $500, whatever you pay for your phone, you're not going to lose more than probably 50% of that over several years. So yeah, the iPhone is more accessible than it has ever been before. And to me, that means it's not worth buying the new iPhone SE because like, as I, I, I had in my video, I had a couple of alternatives. I had three other options. Option number one, cheapest iPhone out there, buy the old iPhone SE. You can buy them like new for 300 or 350. You can buy them refurbished for 250 and you're not going to notice a difference. I guarantee. You go out there, ask any tech reviewer. They'll tell you the iPhone SE is great. It's cheap. It's whatever. You you give them an, an, an iPhone SE 2020 and an iPhone SE 2022 and don't let them look in these system preferences, they won't be able to find a difference unless they live in an area with 5G. And even then, that'll only be because they can see the icon. The other option, 
you want something small. iPhone 12 mini is smaller. Battery life is equally bad. Uh, neither of them are great, but you know that going in. So you get the small screen, you get 64 gigabytes of storage, you get 5G, same price. You can buy them all day long, uh, Amazon renewed, you can go on declutter. You know, there's a billion different ways that you can get an iPhone 12 mini for the same price. Third option, you want to have a little bit of a hybrid thing. Maybe you're, you're, you want something that feels modern. You, you don't really care about 5G. You, you want some good battery life, iPhone 11 Pro. Got your three camera setup, feels very modern, face ID, all that jazz. Battery life is superb, competitive with iPhone 13s even. Same price, $430, $450. So, yeah, people will defend the iPhone SE, and I get that argument when it applies to the old one. The new one is stupid. That's my take. That that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, there are definitely some better options out there. And I think, you know, hopefully next year Apple, you know, there were the rumors that Apple was going to switch the SE to the iPhone 11 style design. Um, obviously, that didn't happen this year. Hopefully next year, maybe it'll be more compelling uh, at that point. But I do agree that this, you know, the, the one as it stands is, is not the best option in that price area. Because the iPhone 11, you can buy from Apple still for, I think, $499, I think, right? I think, yeah, I think so. Let's find out. Yeah, 64 gigabytes is $499. So, man, if they if they iPhone SE'd that, then, then we'd be talking again. You know, A16... Or I guess A15, because we have that rumor that apparently the A16 is only going to the Pro models this year. I did I did hear that. That's weird. Weird, right? Yeah. Because if you saw the leaked designs, the CADs that came out, and I actually have the CAD files, I'll tell you what, my guy, the thing looks identical to an iPhone 13. So, like, what... It, same size screen... I think it's maybe a little thicker, so it has mm-hmm. probably better battery. But the same chip, the same screen, the same lack of promotion, the same design. Why, why, why would you buy that? I don't really know what their angle is going to be there. Yeah, that's weird. Kind of, it almost sounds like the what they did with the SE this year, you know, compared to the previous one. But I guess the Pro models were supposed to be getting. The whole punch cameras, is that right? But not the regular ones? Yes. My understanding is the the Pro models look, again, very, very, very similar. But the camera bumps are even larger, if you can imagine that. Hmm. Um, in fact, an observation that I made when looking at the CAD files for the iPhone 14 Pro. And you're going to love this, Noah. Okay. The thickness of the phone at its camera bump, so the thickest point, is thicker than the original iPhone. Really? Yeah. Wow. By like by like a millimeter. What? Ugh. That is 
kind of crazy. I mean, it's funny because, uh, like, yeah, I guess it started with, you know, the original iPhone was fairly thick, and then they were going in the direction of being as thin as possible, uh, which obviously wasn't the right way to go, but now they're going in the other direction, mm-hmm. and, like, I don't I don't like the camera bump. I wish it, it could sit flush. I understand it's, like, a lot of, you know... Uh, equipment or whatever that has to to be in there but like uh, there were some renders or rumors or something that the camera was going to be flush in the back and like i thought that looked pretty good now so that you're talking about john prosser's uh renders which were based on very credible info i almost wonder if that's like for next year hmm uh, it's also very possible that, you know, when you're talking about leaking an iPhone a year in advance, there's lots of time for designs to change, prototypes come and go. So I some people were like, oh, my God, John was wrong. I wouldn't so much say wrong as early because that's kind of how it goes with Apple leaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could, you know, if we, we could see flush cameras, we could see an even thicker camera bump. Uh, you know, whoever leaked both of those could very well both be right and uh, designs change or things get pushed back or, you know, whatever it is. But I will say regarding the camera bump, it would be nice. Honestly, though, like I have my uh, my wallet on the back and that kind of mm, offsets true. the camera bump. But if I didn't have this and it like doesn't stay f- like flat on the table that like that always annoys me i'm like putting it on the table and like the cameras are like scraping on the table it's just oh, the yeah. worst i don't like mm. it i definitely agree uh i remember being very concerned when i got my iphone 6 plus cuz that was the first time that mm-hmm. there was a camera bump and i was very worried about scratching what is now in hindsight a tiny 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 little piece of metal compared uh-huh. to the bedazzled things that we have now. But I can no longer... We can't talk about the iPhone SE anymore. I can't stomach <laughs> it. It's here. Look. Gone. <laughs> what did I hit? I hit my table. Don't worry about it. Oh, no. I can't talk about it anymore. Let's get the poll up here because we got to go back. Now that we have it here, let me, let me pull up the link here on the stream. We have to talk about the wall panels how many wall panels are we gonna lose on today's stream that is the question that i pose unto you let me go ahead and share my screen as we start to get these results in i i have not yet decided where i will fall on on the prediction noah have you i Went ahead, so I believe that in the last episode we started uh, with uh, it was well, it happened at the very end, but uh, but it was looking mm. like it was going to be four, and then I think right, a fifth one fell off. Uh, like well, right we at the started end. we started with none, right. and then like seven minutes from the end we had three in very quick succession. We we were like, wow, it was three, and then a fourth one happened, and then at the last second we got to five. That's right. So, so I, three, I four, four, five four. are all all very good guesses here. I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say three. I'm splitting the difference. Okay. Because three was very nearly right, and I'm gonna go based on the assumption that we don't repeat history. That's what I'm going for. So it looks like most of you guys agree. 
Uh, three very optimistic individuals have said zero. Uh, we've got three votes for one, three for two, nine votes for three, ten votes for three, I dare say. And then three, four, and one very uh, pessimistic person saying every single wall panel is gone. Oh, I hope not. We shall see. We shall see. Now, as as we'll uh, we'll let you guys vote on this, and this is of course going to be ongoing throughout the show. So I do want to address this super chat here from Second City Saint Luke. Do you expect the M two to beat Thirteenth Gen and Zen Four in single core performance all launching this year? Well, I sure hope, because uh, I actually have a couple of Alder Lake machines running around here for some some videos that i'm working on uh probably for end of the month or early april and let me tell you guys alder lake is fast it's so fast Hmm. but it's not it's not efficient. I mean, uh, I, what I'm working on now is a video. I, I basically built the PC that Apple said they could beat, 12900K, 3090. And it's faster. It just is. Uh, I don't know what benchmarks Apple used. Well, I suspect they used GFX Bench. Oh, my gosh. Is that is that our first panel? Yes. Everyone who voted for zero is devastated right now they they were very optimistic and i applaud them but they were foolish can't take your vote back unfortunately although wait should we close the poll because i feel like people might this might start to influence our results that's true uh i did not implement an easy way to end a poll early so (laughs) well uh oh well we screwed ourselves yeah, this is not scientific, but let's let's find out. Uh, for those asking where to vote, URL is on the screen. Although I suppose we, at this point, might as well have uh, knocked off. Why did we even think to include zero as an option? That was never going to happen. Well, five people seem to think that it could have for some reason. For some reason. But uh, one of the things that one of the things that I'm noticing here when we're talking about M2, Apple does have their work cut out for them. You know, when the M1 chip came out, and you're talking about Intel 11th gen, that was like it was a bloodbath. It it was a bloodbath. Even the the M1 chip was was taking on high end Core i7s. But I will tell you right now. I've got a I've got a Core i7 12700H in the studio, which is second from the top in terms of Intel stack. They have a 12800, which I think is slightly better, and then of course there's the 12900K, the i9. E, the the 12700H, even running on battery life, which as we know in in Windows laptops slows it down, even on battery life it's it's faster than the M1 Max. Hmm. That's uh, impressive for Intel. Yeah. Now, granted, 
it's louder. It's thirstier. But what what we've basically got here is um, Apple Apple has like a turbocharged four cylinder engine, and they've got that pushing a lot of horsepower, right? It's it's impressive. They're really doing it. They they're they're getting like three hundred and fifty horsepower out of a two liter turbocharged engine. It gets great gas mileage. It's very fast for what it is. But Intel, they've got a V8. They just do. And by God, is it loud. By God, is it just like slurping on the Earth's resources like a smoothie. But <laughs> it's fast. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, you know, I don't know. Apple, I, I personally think that Apple strikes, especially with their laptops, they strike a very good balance between performance and efficiency. Mm. But... Uh, and, and, you know, you can, you can, uh, you know, you can look at the noise and the battery life and all of that stuff. And you can say, you know, maybe Apple's a little bit slower. Maybe their chips are, are, are not quite as powerful, but, uh, but, but you're getting a lot in addition, you know, you're losing a little bit of power, but you're getting a lot for that. But I guess, especially with the desktops, you know, now we've got the Mac studio mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the Mac pro is going to be coming, uh, eventually. And, you know, now is the, uh, now's the time where all of that is not quite as important. Absolutely. And I mean, you still do get benefits. I mean, we're talking about a Mac Studio that is about the size of the power supply of the PC I'm comparing it to. That's impressive. That's, that is really, really impressive. Um, now, how, how valuable is that to you? I guess it depends. In my opinion... You know, building a desk setup and, and having something small like this it is, you know, important. A lot of a lot of studios, right? That's the whole place that they've imagined this being used. If we're talking about like a, a research lab, it, it's super nice that they could essentially put the thing in like a drawer, have it out of the way. It doesn't take up space. It doesn't clutter a desk. You can have lots of room for other stuff. You know, th th there's plenty of, maybe you put it on a cart and you wheel it around and it plugs in and then you, you know, have your whole si system on like a little wheelie cart in a photography studio or something. There's definitely reasons why you would want to have a really ridiculously small form factor case. But on the other hand, you can, you can overcome, you know, in, with a stationary product, you can overcome a limitation like size or like find a workaround and then just be done with it with a laptop you kind of you know you kind of notice the benefits of being thin and light with good battery life right because that's what apple silicon's good at so to have a 14 inch macbook pro that has very respectable battery life and a ton of horsepower you notice that every time you take it somewhere but with a desktop i don't know I don't know that you're noticing that efficiency as much as you are um, noticing a, a lack of power compared to some PCs in certain applications. Yeah, that's definitely... First of all, I think it's really interesting uh, when you said, you know, the Mac Studio is like the size of the power supply of the PC. I never thought about it that way, but like, honestly, yeah, it is It is really impressive when you think about it like that. Um 
but and it's like i don't know it's like really uh cool uh you know thing to have on your desk and obviously it it fits you know very nicely with the studio display you know it's just the right height to to sort of fit under there and uh, it's a nice little setup there um but you know like you said it's a it's a desktop thing and in most cases you know wherever your desktop is it's gonna stay there and uh you know if it's a louder one you put it on the floor and it's not that big of a deal and it's gonna just stay where it is and and you're not really gonna notice that kind of stuff you know what you will notice though noah we got to talk about it you will notice the lack of upgradable storage we got to we got to unpack mm-hmm. this cuz that was the big story that kicked off pretty much immediately after we were on last week. You know, we were here last Sunday night. 12 hours later, I posted the video that started quite an interesting debate. Um was I think quite possibly the fastest gaining video in terms of views that I've ever had. I don't think I've had a video that got to 100,000 views as fast as that one did. Wow. It was a topic that a lot of people were interested in. I, uh, you know, and it started a lot of conversations because um, I, I I have never experienced having so many people in my DMs saying, did you try this, try that, try using this different type of cord or try this one. Um, I, I did do a part two where I consulted with some Apple employees actually of the genius bar and they told me about like what the 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 process is for them so if you didn't catch that series or noah if you know there's been a lot right i think it might be helpful to summarize my understanding based on testing that i did based on what i fix it found based on the genius bar employees that i talked to and and twitter threads that explained it, that were reacting to my videos. A lot, a lot hap- sorry, my air conditioning kicked on and my noise cancellation is, is, is on here and it scared me. Cause I thought it was a computer fan, but of course that's ridiculous cause I'm on Apple Silicon. So I was very confused. Of anyway, here's, here's what we think the situation is. Because my initial test was straight swap, right? Blank SSD, same size, both in M1 Ultra devices, swapping them around, and found that without doing anything to the system itself, it doesn't like that. So, basically what that means is adding a second module, and I said module, not SSD, I'll get to, I'll get to that in a second. Adding a second module, doesn't like it. Swapping out the module, doesn't like it. Module of a different size, doesn't like it. So, the next step was using Configurator 2, which is what you use if you upgraded to Monterey and your Apple Silicon Mac got bricked. Oops, sorry. Oops, you know, that whole thing. Yep. Did that happen to you, or were you good? I never had... I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, I didn't either. In fact, actually, all my Mac Studios shipped with 12.2. So mm-hmm. all of them had, had to get up, updated right out of the box. But I did do that, by the way. So all of the testing was done on you know, every Mac involved. The Mac Studios and the Macs that I was running Configurator 2 on were all completely up to date 
on the newest version of, of Monterey, the newest version of Configurator 2, just for the record. So no issue of compatibility there. Now, when I was doing the testing on Monday and Tuesday, that was after Configurator was updated with support for the Mac Studio, and after Apple's instructions were updated with support for the Mac Studio. So, the second experiment was, iFixit was able to swap, they had two base model M1 Maxes with the 512 gig SSD, and they were able to swap the SSD, or the storage modules, and they were able to revive and restore them with Configurator 2 and get them to work. My experiment was different than theirs though because I had an M1 Ultra and an M1 Max which meant I had a 512 gig and a 1 terabyte. So iFixit basically saw that if you use Configurator at least if everything goes well because it's been pretty buggy you could switch your storage for another one of the same size. And that could be seen as good. However, what I then found was trying the same experiment, taking the 512 gig out, putting a one terabyte in, no good. Doesn't like that. And a lot of people had suggested like, oh, maybe you're using the wrong cord or you have to download the IPSW uh, manually and, and do a manual IPSW. I tried all of those things and I used the the cord that comes with the MacBook to charge because that's what the Apple Store techs use. It's kind of weird, but that these are the, the, the MacBook charging cords. That's what the techs use. I tried that. I tried the same Thunderbolt 3 cord that I use for my media drive. Tried it both ways. Nothing works. And what makes that even more, you know, in assured is what doesn't work with the one terabyte in the M1 Max model immediately works when you switch back. Putting the 512 back in, boom, it works. Same method. So, essentially what we're finding here is the storage modules that, that Apple is using are not SSDs. They're dumb storage. They're literally just a little board with NAND chips on them. There's no controller, there's no DRAM. Everything is handled by Apple Silicon. It's handled on chip. So, you know, that's something that makes sense in an M1, right? Because that's, you know, it's an iPad, it's it's your your entry-level MacBooks. And to be honest, I don't even mind that the base M1 isn't upgradable because tablets, Ultrabooks often aren't. Um, it's, it's regrettable, but that's just not really that unusual. What is unusual is going to the effort of designing a $5,000 machine with a very, very powerful chip and designing it to have storage that is on a removable medium, but not not going to the energy, or I suspect deliberately not going through the process of making it so that you can utilize that capability. The fact that you can have a machine right here 
This is $4,000. It comes with one terabyte of storage and an empty slot. An empty slot. And you can't do anything about that. And that's a, I think that's a real shame. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of interesting discussion on Twitter after you uh, posted about this, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I guess one of the one of the main things was people saying, you know, well, Apple said that it's not upgradable, and so yeah. you shouldn't be surprised that you can't upgrade the storage, right? And mm-hmm. I first of all that that is true Apple did say it's not upgradable and I don't think the point is you know obviously you weren't expecting it you weren't I don't think you went into this expecting it to be upgradable or maybe you were hoping that it would be but but like Apple tells, tells you it's not upgradable and so you you know you're assuming that it's that it's not right yeah when they did the event I was fully expecting it to just be you know soldered on the on the motherboard uh, on the logic board just like in a MacBook Pro Oh, that's two. Interesting. That's two. Lots of time here. Those people that were were up up high on those numbers are, are sitting pretty right now because there's 29 minutes left and we're already at two. Yeah. But, and yeah, so to, to clarify, n- in no way was I surprised that the Mac Studio isn't upgradable. That, right. you know, that was 100% expected. The MacBook Pro isn't nothing has been upgradable for a very long time except in the mac pro because it it needs to be and if they don't there's going to be riots but what was surprising is that apple decided hey let's design this with a removable storage module because clearly it made sense for their manufacturing uh, I would imagine for data recovery, it makes a lot of sense. You know, all of these are the obvious reasons why everyone else uses removable storage. And Apple clearly saw that there's merit to that. And that you don't necessarily have to make the compromise of, like, using a, an NVMe standard drive in a MacBook Pro. You could argue, uh, I personally don't agree, but you could argue, well, having you know the extra space for that standard size module might make a device thicker it might make the logic board larger and eat into the room that you have for battery you know there are discussions you could have there but on a desktop i don't know that that really applies there's plenty of room in there um physically and clearly apple saw that using removable storage made sense here it made sense for them to produce because it means you have fewer logic board variants right you can basically say um, like look at look at the m1 ultra for example the m1 ultra has two configurations 48 or 64 core so apple only has to manufacture two logic boards that that is one of the key reasons I would imagine that Apple's going this route. They only need to make two different logic boards. And then it's a matter of did the customer spec it with one, two, four, or eight terabytes? So you've got four storage configurations, which crucially are independent of which logic board was ordered. That 
is why they're doing this. Making different versions of the boards is expensive, and it means that you have to then offer parts and be able to replace for at least three years all of those different build-to-order configurations. I had that issue uh, with a Vega 20 MacBook Pro uh, a couple of years ago where it had a problem. Well, it had a keyboard problem. I went in. The Apple, the Genius Bar broke the thing, so it wasn't turning on. And they were like, well, it's going to take months, months for us to get a non-current, non-standard replacement board because it was custom, right? So they, it was like it was going to take them ages and they ended up having to give me a new MacBook Pro just because it, it would take so long. So it absolutely makes sense to offer two logic boards that you have to produce. And then you just put your storage modules in them and you ship them. It makes a lot of sense. What doesn't make sense is locking it down because that's what they're doing. There's, right. there's no reason to, like, I, I feel like you have to intentionally design something such that it can't be user upgraded when you've designed it to be like this. Yeah, it seems like it's a software lock because, you know, I understand that these modules are, uh, you know, they're, they're dumb storage, like you said, because the M1 mm-hmm. hand or the, the Apple Silicon chip uh, handles you know, all of the, the data access and, and all of that stuff. And there, and obviously, you know, there's reasons for that. It can, you know, make it faster and it gives, you know, more control to the processor rather than having to rely on an external controller that is, you know, making its own decisions and prioritizing its own, uh, you know, operations uh, in whatever order it does. Um, but when you can do a DFU restore and you can, you know, wipe mm-hmm. the machine and, and reinstall the firmware and all of that, then at that point, you should be able to swap the chips out, right? Don't expect to save your data necessarily. I mean, you know, maybe you would be able to, but don't expect to save your data or anything. But if you put a separate, like you put a chip in there and you, you know, reset, essentially factory reset the computer, there's no good reason as far as I can tell. Or I guess there's one. The one good reason as far as I can tell is maybe security. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. there's some, uh, you know, certificate, uh, or, or some encryption or something that links the, the storage module to the motherboard. And, you know, maybe only uh, the Genius Bar has the tool to re-sign a storage module. That's the only reason that I can think of. And, and you know, at that point, the question is really, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're willing to make that sacrifice uh, to be mm-hmm. able to upgrade the storage and Apple's just not giving you that choice. Exactly. And and I understand your, you know, you bring up the point of security and that is f- fair. But I I personally don't think that it's a trade-off that I'm willing to take and you're surrendering control to Apple to basically say, "Okay, we are going to determine what you're able to do with a $5,000 machine over the course of its life because we've decided that data privacy is more important to you than upgradeability." When that might not be true for me, I don't I don't give a rat's ass about like how secure it is, right? I'll, I'll it's a desktop. I'll, I'll lock my door, all right. If someone like it's it's not as big a deal to me uh, to to say oh if someone steals my Mac Studio, my my data is good. I mean it's iCloud locked. It's it's there's lots of other things that are there anyway, right? So 
I'm not even worried if someone steals the Mac Studio because it's I've got it iClouded. I've got you know FireVault disk protection. It's all there, right? I don't need Apple to be making these decisions when you know I would absolutely have loved if if I was able to say, oh, guess what? Month or two down the line, you can you can make the decision on your own to upgrade the storage in in your Mac Studio. That would have been fantastic. I would have I would have done that. I would have made a video on it. But they decided, nope, ain't gonna happen. And and to your point, Noah, about like it being a software lock, I've seen some people saying, like, oh well that no, it's not it's more than that. It's more complicated. The 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 controller on the board isn't capable of understanding different storage because it's dumb storage. So there's a handshake that goes on, and there's like all of these complicated things. Look. I'm just saying, I, I don't know for sure how the system works, but if you think that Apple is shipping these computers with a logic board that is irreversibly programmed or manufactured in such a way that it can only recognize one certain configuration of storage, I do not, I don't believe you. I don't believe you because of what I was saying earlier. Why? The, the whole reason that it would make sense to design the Mac Studio with removable storage is because you can only is because you can only manufacture two different logic board versions. You, you, there's two different SKUs for the M1 Max, two different SKUs for the M1 Ultra, and that's all you have to manufacture. That's the reason why you would do that. So if you then essentially undo all of that supply chain simplification by making it so that you're you're manufacturing some physicalized you know ssd controller that can only see one size then you've completely undone like th that was just a pointless exercise so there absolutely is a, a way you know in apple land somewhere for them to upgrade this and i simply don't believe that it's physically impossible. And if it is physically impossible, which it isn't, then they made it that way on purpose. So either way, they get no points. And I do also want to say, you know, Ryan's comment here, realize you are in the top 1% of users. Apple has to serve everyone. I agree. They do. They have to serve everyone. And I don't really see how restricting the capabilities of a $5,000 machine is serving everyone. I think it's serving them. Yeah, and also the the if you look at the uh, the audience or I guess the customer base for the Mac Studio, right? We're talking about the Mac Studio. This is like right now the most powerful uh, Apple Silicon Mac that you can buy. And you know, theoretically, once the Mac Pro comes out, it'll still be the second most powerful. Uh, you know, however you want to think about it. But this is the one that like the top 1% of people are using. If they're using Apple Silicon, if you're using an Apple Silicon desktop right now, this is the one that they're going to be using. And this is the mm -hmm. only one that we've seen so far that has storage that works like this. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, I think that's why it's, it's relevant. And, um, you know, if, yes, I am in the top 1% of Apple users because I'm, you know, not a large people. There's not a large volume of Mac studios that are going to ship, especially the high end ones. Right. But the higher end you go, 
the more likely people are going to want to to do this. Like I I fully understand that in the case of the the MacBook Air nobody that's buying a MacBook Air and I mean relatively speaking gives a hoot whether its storage is upgradable. Most of the people that buy a MacBook Air don't really fully know what what storage even is. They don't they don't know what RAM is, they don't know what the M1 chip is. The, the most of the people that I know that bought the M1 MacBook Air bought it because the keyboard doesn't suck anymore. They didn't even know what Apple Silicon was. So mm-hmm. I get that, you know, on a MacBook Air, I, this might be an unpopular d- uh, opinion on the right to repair crowd, but I almost think on a on a MacBook Air it doesn't even matter that the storage is not removable. Obviously, I'd like it to be, but for 99.9% of the people that buy it doesn't matter at all. With the Mac Studio, a much, much higher percentage of the people that buy it do care and would love to be able to do that. And it's a real shame that Apple has basically said, you know, we acknowledge, here at Apple, we acknowledge that you guys are professionals, you want high end machines, you're willing to spend thousands of dollars. You want this to be the best of the best. But we're going to lock it down and prevent you from making it better. It's it's insulting at $5,000. It really is. Yeah, I don't know. Apple, they've, in, in some ways, they've been going in the right direction lately. If you look at the Mac Studio overall and, like, the MacBook Pro overall and Apple Silicon overall, but there's mm-hmm. always got to be like something that gets you and uh you know they 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 they're doing a lot right but they can never do everything right or they refuse to do everything right I should say yeah um and a lot of people I I do want to point out let me see if I can go back and find these things but people were like ah oh, this is terrible Steve Jobs would never have done this oh if Steve Jobs here, here here's one Steve Jobs would make sure everything is repairable by the end user or if Steve Jobs was alive today, would the Apple Corporation be conducting business business this way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the big reasons that Steve Jobs got kicked out of Apple in the 80s was because the original Macintosh was completely proprietary. He didn't he wanted it to be completely proprietary separate from any other standard he didn't want users to get into it at all that was like a big part of why the macintosh did not have a successful launch and why steve jobs left apple so this idea that that steve jobs would have done it differently i fully disagree i fully disagree i think that um steve jobs in the 2000s when you know we were talking about hard drives and ram that was at a time when it didn't make sense for them to to solder ram or ssd storage because quite frankly there weren't ssds to use but whenever apple had a chance to make something not user upgradable they did i mean they were selling imacs with soldered gpus in a time when every comparable desktop didn't do that uh as soon as the macbook air came out in 2008 that was steve jobs from top to bottom 
that had a non-standard iPod hard drive and soldered RAM because they were able to make the RAM soldered at that point. So the idea that Steve Jobs would have given you this like little hatch on the bottom with a shiny lever it says upgrade and it would like have like this beautiful little mechanism and let you get inside it no absolutely not i i do not believe that for a second uh, i i do not think that any of this is contrary to what steve jobs would have wanted yeah i mean a lot of things definitely would have been different uh at apple there are definitely things that would be different if steve jobs were still there but but this is not one of them here is a good comment. The Steve Jobs that had to be tricked into having an internal port inside the first Mac. Yeah, that's Steve Jobs. So, yeah, it's, I, you know, a lot of people, you know, Steve Jobs, you can't deny, was a visionary, right? And, and did some amazing stuff. But I think people kind of miss a lot now that Steve Jobs isn't here to, you know, make the decisions. It's very easy. It's very, very easy to deify the former when they're not around to, to give you their actual take. Yeah, true. Now, actually, in keeping with this, I do have some bad news for you guys. Talking about this Mac Studio situation. Because this Mac Studio, which is what I've been holding up the whole show... Currently, this Mac Studio is non-functional. I told you guys how uh, how Configurator 2 was buggy. Well, this right here is a $4,000 bug. Because for the past five days since I've done that video, I have not been able to revive the M1 Ultra <laughs> Mac Studio. Yeah, this is the 48-core, $4,000 machine with its original SSD back in it. Keep that in mind. And it still won't work. It doesn't work. Um, it, it won't boot on. It's, it's stuck, essentially, in DFU mode. When I attempt to restore it it takes too long and fails if i attempt or to revive it it takes too long and fails if i attempt to restore it using any combination of cables any combination of ipsw's essentially it goes through most of the process and then upon restarting it just goes right back into dfu mode Configurator 2 gets confused because it's supposed to be booting into the newly installed recovery OS. Instead, it's in DFU mode again, and you end up in a, in a loop. And I have not been able to get so much as even an output to another display or a, a chime or a noise, nothing, since Monday. And this wasn't even the machine, get this. This wasn't even the machine that I, I was doing the experiment on. That was the M1 Max. This one, I took the SSD out. It sat. My experiment failed. I put the SSD back in. That's it. And it is still bricked currently. 
hopefully not permanently, but how rough is that? Yeah, that that really sucks. I wonder mm. uh, if you took it to the Apple store, would they be able to tell that you opened it yourself? Oh, yeah. Very easily. Because to get at the SSDs or the, the storage modules, you have to peel off this like tape on it. And it's very obvious that that has been done. Uh, it's also very obvious um, because you have to take off the rubber ring on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back on quite well. Um, the adhesive stays sticky and like you can you can go into one of these and then cover up your tracks. Like as you can see here, it looks totally stock, right? Like it's not lumpy. It's not like wobbly or anything. It doesn't come off. So it's it. The the rubber bottom isn't, you know, the the destruction of this machine, but they would be able to tell that it's been done, and I don't know that they would repair it. I might try. I might try to take it down there because it's a $4,000 machine that doesn't turn on right now, and Ryan said $4,000 parts bin. You can't even use the parts because if the SSD is separated from the machine, then it like doesn't doesn't even work. And there's no spare parts of it. It's like it's rough, dude. It's really rough. So if you are <laughs> I saw some people that were like, hit up the super chat, folks. If you really want to help and make all of this <laughs> worthwhile, my so far four thousand dollar loss, because uh, I don't know if Apple is actually gonna be able to help or be willing to help. If you want to help, go sign up for the sponsor of the video. Seriously. That's the best thing that you can do. You know, get a free trial. Go go to the go to the video that I posted uh, on why Apple won't let you upgrade. Engage with the sponsor. That's our third wall panel. Seriously. Uh, sponsor engagement. They love it. That's the best way to help a youtuber and it's free so if you really do want to help do that but apart from that yeah it's it's i'm 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 out four thousand dollars okay a hypothetical question not saying that that you should actually do this but Hmm. if you package that thing up all nice and neat in this box and returned it to apple what would happen i honestly don't know i i I know we've talked about I know we've talked about um returns and how some people are some people don't like when YouTubers buy and return stuff. So far, I mean I in my life I've only returned like three Apple products. And if you know how many Apple products I buy, that's a small amount. Yeah. I'm probably gonna return my iPad Air just because I was gonna keep it and have it sitting around same with the iPhone SE. Same with, it's I. I have to send some stuff back because I need to. I need to essentially, I need to comp this four thousand dollar loss. Um, because I personally I don't feel good about returning a machine that's been tampered with, and I know that that's goofy after I just slammed Apple for making a machine that you can't tamper with. But I, 
I don't know. I feel I feel ethically not great about the idea of returning this. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I, I, I don't think that you should do that. But I'm really hoping that there... I mean, there's got to be... Like, unless you fried the computer somehow, which I don't think you did, mm-hmm. there's got to be a way... Maybe a configurator right. update. Maybe someone at Apple will be willing to help you out. But there's got to be a way to get that thing back. I, dude, I I really hope. I, I hope that someone smarter than me can, can find something out. I have tried. Believe me, I've been scouring comments. I've been reading Twitter DMs. I've, I've been trying um, a lot of different things to do. But I just, I don't know. I mean, and a lot of people here are, are just saying, like, do it. Do it. Send it back. <laughs> Apple flexible return policy is baked into the high pricing. If you never return things, you're paying for other people's returns. Probably true. Uh, you know, they have a no questions asked return policy. You're not taking advantage of something if it's explicitly allowed. You know, yada, yada. I, I just, I don't know. There's something that feels weird about doing it with something that's, like broken by the user. Ugh. I really don't know. I yeah. I'm going to return the iPad Air for sure. Probably going to return the iPhone SE as well. Or or I'll sell that give someone on Twitter a good deal. But I I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I think I'm really hoping there's a way to get it to get that thing fixed. Maybe it won't be free. I I mean you obviously you'd think, mm. you know, I mean I guess you you technically violated the warranty. So maybe you'll have to pay something. Yeah. Uh but but hopefully it'll be a lot less than $4,000. Uh and see people are like you can return stuff if you don't want it. Well, it's not even a, it's not really a matter of not wanting it. It's a matter of it doesn't work, it doesn't turn on, and it the fact that it doesn't turn on is because of something that I did to it. You could argue correctly that it's poorly designed and that they should not have made a machine that can so easily be like bugged out to the point of not booting. Like it's almost insanely incompetent that they were able to design a machine that with their own tools, following their own instructions on their own website with its own original SSD cannot come back to life, which is crazy. Now, now this is an interesting comment. Yeah. yeah. Come to Apple Georgetown on Friday evening. I'll help you. Is this, is this a, is this a, a lifeline from an admittedly very local, three mile away Apple store. I don't know. Maybe that person should shoot me an email, hmm. and we can talk. But yeah, that's. I just. I just don't, bro. Why would you design? Why would you design something this expensive that's so temperamental, with a, a, a removable storage module, like it? You have to put energy into making something that behaves like this, right? It's just ridiculous. 
Yeah, either that or there's legitimately like a bug with Configurator and hopefully they'll fix it, but I don't know. And this person here, it's not incompetence, it's planned obsolescence or obsoleteness, I guess they said. I, I don't even think it's that. I I got to be honest, I don't think Apple does... I know this might sound contradictory, but I don't think Apple does planned obsolescence. I really don't because there's stuff there's stuff works when it works it works really well and for a very long time without without stuff like um water damage and stuff like that right obviously that can shorten the lifespan of your device water is known to do that um but that's similar on other things too and it's yeah it's bad that you can't replace individual components that's obviously but I mean, Apple supports stuff for a really long time, not just in software, but in terms of replacement parts. With a lot of older devices, you'll find like even, like if, if, if you build a PC five years later, something goes wrong, you're gonna have to replace that component because chances are they're not gonna, they're not gonna like repair it for you. Like if your motherboard get, gets broken, you know, obviously it's not the same as replacing a logic board, but it's it's unlikely that the manufacturer is still stocking replacement parts for that five years later, but Apple does. And they design stuff so that you can keep using your iPhone for seven years or a Mac for about seven or eight years or an iPad for eight years. Like that's, I don't think it's planned obsolescence. I think it's planned. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's locking a device for its lifespan, a long lifespan, not trying to kill it sooner but trying to make sure that you can't upgrade it on your time. Um, not so that it'll end up as e-waste necessarily, but so that you'll have to buy a new one and then sell your old one. Like locking a machine to one terabyte isn't necessarily going to mean that in five years it's not usable. It might just mean that in five years you'll have to buy a new one if you want more. That's what I think is going on here. Yeah, I definitely. Someone uh, commented planned upselling. I mm. I agree with that. It's like you know, and and the in the front uh, half, uh, when you're first buying the machine, uh, you know they they tell you like, oh, like for the Max Studio, they said, oh, the storage is not upgradable. If you think you're going to need more mm -hmm. in the future, you have to buy it now. So that's the first yep. part. And then the second part is, you know, a little while down the road, uh, you know, when you have that computer and there's a new one out or, you know, it's starting to, to show its age a little bit, then you got to buy a new one. And someone else, you know, you can sell that and someone else will uh, will have a great time with it or you can mm -hmm. trade it into Apple and they'll put it on their, you know, refurb store. But uh, but yeah, so the, the devices themselves, Apple does a great job of supporting, but they do it in a way that will make you want to upgrade despite the fact that these devices last for so long and that's what they're good at exactly i think that's nail on the head great comment great analysis um we gotta we gotta wrap this show up here if if you are feeling bad for me and my sad uh four thousand dollar paperweight go check out those videos sign up for the sponsor like you know that's the best thing that you can do, you know, at no or minimal cost to you to help me out here. But let me let me go ahead and bring up the old poll here because we have 
a pretty interesting situation, which is that the the most guessed number of wall panels was correct. I and 15 people, well, 14 others, correctly guessed that three wall panels have fallen off. So unless something crazy happens in the next, like, four seconds, are you tampering? That, what? What? Are you tampering? I don't get I don't know out what of you're there. Talking about no tampering. Um. Uh, my goodness. The votes have been counted. I won. Suck it, Noah. All right. I did go with four, so I will. I'll give you this one. You know what else you gave me? What's A fantastic that? transition to wrapping up this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. I have been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. Have a great night. And we will be off for the next, like, three weeks. But, but oh God, Luke I forgot might to be that. doing something uh, in, the, in the interim, if you want to mention that. Yeah, so we might have a special episode in two weeks. But Noah is going to be out of town. And so... For the next three weeks, we will not have normal scheduling. But stay tuned. You know, obviously, if you're subscribed, I'll, I'll be posting in the community tab. Hopefully, we'll have a special episode with some special guests um, at some point in there. But yeah, thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you in the next one. Have a good night.